This episode is brought to you by Meerkat Village. Being a special needs parent often requires a superhuman ability to manage a ton of different things all at once. Between work, school, doctor's appointments, therapies, our own self-care, and anything else life can throw at us, it can be tough to manage all this stuff. And don't even get me started on trying to keep everyone communicating with each other because that seems to be impossible sometimes. But Meerkat Village can help. They say it takes a village, and this is especially true for special needs families. Meerkat Village is a platform for Android and iOS that helps to keep everyone in your village communicating and coordinating their efforts to support your child. Whether you're tracking a child's progress at school or brainstorming new strategies to help with behavioral concerns, Meerkat Village helps everyone stay connected and on the same page. It's all done inside one easy-to-use HIPAA and FERPA-compliant app. For more information, visit meerkatvillage.com. That's M-E-E-R-K-A-T-V-I-L-L-A-G-E.com. Welcome to the Autism Dad Podcast. I'm Rob Gorski. As a single dad to three amazing autistic kids, I've been the go-to resource for parents across the globe navigating neurodivergence since 2010. Building on the success of my award-winning blog, The Autism Dad, this podcast provides parents raising autistic or neurodivergent kids with comfort, community, resources, and validation. You'll also hear inspiring stories from parents just like you, reminding you that you're not alone. So don't miss out. New episodes drop every Monday and Wednesday. Subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app and visit theautismdad.com for more information. On this week's episode of the Autism Dad podcast, Emmett and I, we're back, we're back at it again, guys. You keep sending in your questions and uh, we keep answering them. So Emmett is my youngest of three autistic kids and he happens to be the one who is, is here today. Elliot is still sick, so he can't record and Gavin is... Uh, between day service and working, he's he's gone a lot of the time now. So this kind of is uh, a lot of me and Emmett right now. But you're going to hear from the rest of them uh, soon. So Emmett loves answering your questions. He loves sharing his insights and his opinions. And he does it in such a thoughtful way. And he's he's so wise beyond his years and has a way of helping people to better understand complex or difficult to understand things. So uh, we took on the questions that we thought could have the biggest impact, like the most positive impact on the most number of people. And we're going to try and get to the rest of them as we go forward. But uh, we wanted to do this and just kind of have some fun and then take some time to really help you understand things from both my perspective as a dad and Emmett's perspective as an autistic kid. So thank you all so much for taking the time to tune in. You keep giving me opportunities to work with my kids. And that is, it's amazing. I feel very, very lucky. I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. All right, so Emmett and I pulled a handful of questions that you guys had submitted, and we tried to focus on questions that would help the greatest number of people, right? Yeah. The most commonly asked questions, and we're going to answer them from uh, his perspective as well as my perspective, and just kind of help you to navigate things and just give you some insight and some context and whatever, and hopefully it helps, right? Yeah. All right, so before we get started, we just want to give you a couple of updates. One... Uh, Emmett broke his arm while we were on vacation, which most of you are probably aware of. Uh, and he's doing pretty well. Yeah. You know, I think it, it could definitely have been worse. Yeah. Not that it was fun. It's still not fun. I'm not sure how it happened. You fell off a, I mean, we know the logistics of how it happened, but it was, a, it was a, it's, it's kind not of a, something that would normally break your arm. Okay. Well, it, it did. I and, know. That's what I was saying. Oh, all right. So your arm is broken. It was a clean break, and uh, you've had a second round of X-rays a few days after we got, or the day after we got home. Yeah. 
and it's already healing. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's pretty good. You're just in a sling, which kind of sucks because it's not very sensory friendly. And we've tried a few different ones and none of them feel better. <laughs> so we kind of pick the one that's the least comfortable of all the uncomfortable slings. Wait, the most comfortable yeah, of all the uncomfortable slings. Don't yeah, you yeah, the, the most comfortable? Yeah. What are you trying um, to do? Torture me? Yep. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. But it is just sort of a, it's a tough thing. He's in some pain and you're doing school from home right now just because you working from home is more comfortable for you. Yeah. Um, and school has been super cool about it and you're getting all your work done and we go back in two weeks for another x-ray and hopefully you'll be removed. A lot of the restrictions will be removed and the sling will be done. Yeah. So thank you for all the concern though. We appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, the last thing that Emmett wanted to touch on because he's, read a bunch of the the feedback and the questions where a lot of you were asking, what did I do as a parent to make Emmett start talking? And, you know, I mean, he was loved and supported and therapy and all that kind of stuff, but I don't think there was anything that I did or didn't do that made him speak because you don't make non-speaking people speak, right? Cause it, it wasn't a choice for you to be quiet, right? Or not, or yeah, not talk. No. Um, the reality is that a lot of times there's neurological connections that haven't formed or aren't functioning properly, or there are motor issues that impede one's ability to speak. So those aren't things that you can just like do something about or, or there's no magic pill or medication or therapy that's going to just like make something work. It was love and patience. And, you know, after he and I have spoken about this, you know, I think we agree the most important thing was giving you a means to communicate yeah 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 so did you want to i know you had some thoughts on this uh i forget um let me think um (laughs) um you don't remember what happened to all of a sudden yeah no i don't and so i would love to give you guys the answer but I don't know what happened. I just started speaking one day and never stopped. No, you didn't. Or no, you haven't. You've definitely not stopped. And and so I guess that was important to you that we brought that up because you just didn't want people to feel like you were ignoring the question. Yeah. Or we were ignoring the question. But there really is, there, there was is. no like aha moment that you can point to that was like oh now I'm going to speak today yeah it, it just it just was because like you were always trying to speak yeah there was just nothing coming out and then one day it did yeah and you describe it as like breaking through that wall and it may have been something more like realistically it was probably something like that neurological connection finally fired or whatever motor issues were in the way um your body found a way to work around it or whatever it was, but it was, it was you that got yourself speaking. Yeah. All we did was support you along the way. Yeah. So I guess that's, we just wanted to to touch on that. Yeah. Okay. So we'll jump into uh, the first few questions here. So the, one of the common ones that I was getting privately from people like in, in DMS and stuff was wanting to know, if you felt loved when you were unable to speak. And I, and I think this sort of stems from parents who are 
like their, their child is non-speaking and they don't know what they're thinking and feeling, but they worry that their child, they want to know that their child feels loved. And I know you can't speak for them, but even though we were unable to verbally communicate back and forth, did you always feel like you were loved? Yeah. Um, and just so that people understand if you, if we were unable to communicate back and forth, how did you know that you were loved? I guess maybe that makes more sense. This episode is brought to you by Kenjo. Kenjo, where every Roblox experience becomes not just a game, but a learning opportunity. Kenjo's mission is to turn every second your child spends on Roblox into a moment of fun and education. Beyond the thrill of the game, Kenjo motivates kids in a number of ways. By seamlessly integrating with the Roblox account, children are naturally driven towards expert-reviewed content, fostering both fun and learning. Every game is meticulously evaluated on a comprehensive 500-plus point scale by a dedicated team of learning experts, educators, software engineers, user experience designers, and even parents. The games that shine in both challenge and educational value earn a flame rating, guiding players towards richer, more meaningful content. And the motivation doesn't stop there. As they play and earn, kids are rewarded with Kenjo points, transforming achievements into real-world rewards. Kids love Kenjo for the endless fun, adventures, and rewards. Parents appreciate the insights and clarity Kenjo offers, shedding light on their child's Roblox journey and helping them make informed decisions about what their child plays inside the Roblox world. Kenjo isn't just an app. It's an evolution in the gaming world. It's where playtime meets profound learning. Kenjo Basic is absolutely free. If you're looking for deeper insights and accelerated rewards for the kiddos, check out the Kenjo Plus subscription. So dive into Kenjo, where every game is a lesson and every challenge an opportunity. Join the future of gaming by visiting theautismdad.com forward slash Kenjo. That's theautismdad.com forward slash K-I-N-J-O. And use the code theautismdad to save 10% off a Kenjo Plus subscription. Um, I don't really know. Just sort of that. I honestly don't know. That's well, that's okay. You don't have to know. I was just asking. Um, I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a lot of times you don't need words to express love to someone. Yeah. It could be actions. It could be, you know, you were always being hugged and cuddled and taken care of and, and all of that kind of stuff. And you heard us. Yeah. You know, so you just couldn't provide feedback. <laughs> Yeah. Or, or respond. But yeah. But, you know, if you're worried about whether your child knows that they're loved, sometimes it's less about words and more about actions, you know, and, yeah. and um, you know, hugs, I think, are a universal way to show that you love and care for someone. So yeah. I'm sure your child knows that they're loved. So do you, f do you feel comfortable with that answer, Emmett? Like, um, like, you know, parents, even if they can't verbally communicate back and forth with their kids, that they can show them that they're loved Yeah. through their actions? Yeah. Okay. Definitely. All right. So that would be uh, an important thing. Yeah. Okay. Um. All right. This next one I think is kind of fun, sort of. Very frustrating, but it's fun. Uh, and you picked this question out. It's brain dumping. Oh, yeah. You guys wanted to know about brain dumping. And... 
for those of you who are unfamiliar with the concept of brain dumping, let me just here. Just, let me explain. You want to you want to yeah, do it? I'll explain. Okay. Uh, I can go sort of into the uh, psychological sort of thing that happens. Um, on the surface, it's like you go to bed and then your kid comes in and they just start dumping for seemingly no reason. Dumping? What do you mean dumping? Uh, venting. Okay. Uh, something. It can either be something they're frustrated about something that it's like a secret or something or just anything in general really Mm -hmm. um but some of the way that that works is since you are tired at like night and you want to go to bed uh but then there are some times where your thoughts keep you awake and since you're so tired you don't really have the willpower to just keep them like yourself yeah and so you just dump it you just share them with your parents who are trying to sleep. <laughs> like, say you're frustrated about something and you keep it pent up. Yeah. Uh, you don't really have the willpower to keep that in uh, as much as you would during the day when you're bright and awake and So you're uh, sort of less inhibited. Energized. Yes. Is that? Okay. And, and I will say, that's a good explanation. And I will say that I have two kids who like to do that. I One haven't of, done it in a while. You... That's true. Actually, you, you you are much better at that now. But I have another child who I will not <laughs> name, but uh, <laughs> his, his thing is to come into my room at like one o'clock in the morning and have like a heart to heart conversation where, where he is just sort of dumping everything that he's thinking and feeling. And I mean... I feel good at the fact that like he feels comfortable coming to me with that kind of stuff. But at the same time, it's like, it's one o'clock in the morning. It's one o'clock in the morning. I'm not, I mean, I'm honestly not hearing half of what he's saying at that point. And it's more like, I'm just a sounding board kind of, but, but that's brain dumping, I think. And it's usually at night and it can be very frustrating to, to parents, but it isn't so much, it's not meant to be frustrating. It's no. it's more of like um, it's at, it's more like out of desperation. I think to kind of unload all that stuff that's weighing heavy. Yeah, like you've reached your max point and you just need to purge. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I think this is actually a good uh, segue. And well, okay. So let me let's add this too. If you want to avoid this, then there's a couple of options that I used with one of your brothers. Uh, when they were younger and that was um, allowing them to speak into a recorder right so they could they could unload everything that they were thinking and feeling in the middle of the night into uh, back then it was like a tape recorder Um, and then I could play it back the next day or I didn't even have to because they got it out of their system onto something and they felt better about it so there's there's ways that you can help to mitigate this a little bit if it's really kind of intrusive and impeding sleep and whatever but largely, it's just frustrating, and it's just kind of one yeah. of those things. What I do is it's when i on the either car ride to school or from school, I'll ask, oh hey, God. how's your day going? And if he says, you know, it's going really good, I won't tell him. But if he's like, eh, it's okay, I'll just dump. Yeah. Oh, you did that the other day, right before yeah. we went on vacation? Yeah. I was like, hey, Emmett, I picked him up from school. It was actually, I had just done a Facebook Live, and I ended it, and he walked into the car, and I was like, how was your day? And he was like, oh, it was so good. And 
I was like, oh, I kind of feel you've got like a weird vibe, man. Like, are you sure you're okay? And then all of a sudden he was like, Bleh! like, no, I asked, how was your day first? Because I didn't want to ruin your day if it was good. Oh, well, that's not going to ruin my day. But, <laughs> but if it's already bad, you're like, screw it. We're just yeah. going to crap all over it with more stuff. But that that you did do that, actually. You you were you are very considerate about whether because you don't want to overwhelm me if I'm already no. struggling. But the real I mean, you need to feel free to vent. But yeah, if it's like if your day is really bad, I don't want to make it worse. But if it's and if it's really good, I don't want to make it bad. But if it's like just okay, when you're not having a spectacular day or a really bad day, then it's just like I purge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could, it, I wish you could see his expression right now when he's telling me that. Like his eyes get real big. He's like, I purge. He and he he does. But I I also don't want you to feel like you can't talk to me about stuff. No, I know that. I'm, I'm just day. trying to find. I try to find the right time to do it. It makes you more comfortable. Yeah, okay. and so that it doesn't cause any unneeded tension between us. Well, there's not tension between us. But yeah, so you you I can tell when you're dumping because like I'll ask you like how was your day and you'll just be like and it's like all of this stuff from like a week ago <laughs> you know where he just kind of he keeps it all pent up and he kind of copes with it and copes with it, copes with it until he can't anymore sometimes it's during the day it's more during the day now than it is at night it used to be at night yeah but for you it's just more like when you see that opportune moment where you're not feeling like you're dumping on me when I'm in a really bad place you just unload yeah so, and it's kind of an interesting segue uh, to the next question, and that was describing overstimulation, because I think the, the the idea of brain dumping is sort of similar to overstimulation in the sense that like it's not really something that someone has control over. It's it's like you reach that point where you just can't cope with it anymore, and you have to let it out. Brain yeah. dumping is for all your thoughts, and overstimulation comes usually as a result of sensory overload. Yeah. So do you want to describe what overstimulation feels like for you? It depends on the situation. Okay. Uh, but a lot of the time, it's just uncontrolled panic. That's what it feels like to me. Um, and I'm not really sure how to really describe it further than that because it's always a mess when I'm overstimulated mm -hmm. and so there isn't really time to think about it um, but it's just either one emotion that's just uncontrolled it could be sadness anger, frustration panic mm -hmm. but it's just one emotion that's taken to the extreme oh is that it? Yeah, I was waiting for you to oh. respond. <laughs> okay, I was. I was like, okay. I thought you were like thinking about the next thing no. to say. Yeah, I, I would. I mean, I. I don't. I, obviously, I'm going to agree with you because it's how you personally experience it. I don't really experience overstimulation, but I have witnessed you guys experience it a lot, and it just. I think panic is actually a good way to describe it, because you do. You get overwhelmed. You get overstimulated because of you know, too much noise or there was too many people around or whatever the situation was, you, you take in all that input and you just reach a point where you're not coping with it anymore because you're not regulating. And it is like you get, you get panicked. And that's an interesting way to, I would never have thought to describe it like that. But when I look back on, on how you guys 
appear to me when you're overstimulated. I mean, we get meltdowns and stuff like that, but panic is a, is an interesting way to describe that. Yeah. And a lot of things can cause overstimulation. It can be, uh, sounds, it can be, uh, noise. It can be people. It could be say your lighting, huh? Lighting. Yeah. Lighting. Uh, like I saw this one question, it was like, uh, my kid has an issue with oh yeah Lowe's and Sam's Club, and even if you have too much open space, they can feel like they're just not trapped, but just drowning almost in yeah yeah. And, and that was an interesting question. I forgot about that one, uh, but I think it's it's you know some kids can see like fluorescent lights at school flicker. Right. Like, yeah, they always flicker, but they're, it's so fast that most people can't see it. But some people can and some people focus on and, and all they can hear is a clock ticking. Right. And it drives them crazy or they can hear every sniffle or every noise that anybody in the classroom is making. And it, and it just gets to the point where it's overwhelming and and you don't know what to do. So it is sort of like a panic. Your, your brain sort of panics. And the only thing it can do to purge is usually a meltdown. Yeah. Yeah. And we have largely, I think, worked out of those for the most part. Yeah. Some of us, I think, in the house still have them on occasion, but not anywhere like it used to be. I think they've become different. I think there is certain types of meltdowns that, like, there's meltdowns that are just anger. There's ones that are physical. And then there's ones where you just are in the fetal position on the floor crying. That is a very interesting observation i think you're right um i I think the meltdowns kind of take different forms now yeah as you guys have aged it's just gone away from the anger and physical and it may not be you're just on the ground weeping but it could be like you get to the point where you just get so frustrated and so overwhelmed that you just like you're not sad or anything but you just start crying uncontrollably uncontrollably for no given reason. It, it's just purging that yeah. energy is, is what you're doing. You're purging that energy. Yeah. Um, so that is what overstimulation feels like to Emmett. Yeah. And that's, I have never thought about it from that angle, but you know, I think that's a really interesting observation on your part. And I, I would actually just go with that because I think, I mean, you have more experience than I do. I would definitely say that you guys appeared panicked you know, just overwhelmed because you could see it in your eyes. Like mm-hmm. your eyes get real big, and it's like you're just kind of in that fight or flight, and then you just dump, like you purge all that energy. And as you pointed out, like as you got older, sometimes it can be more of a rage. Sometimes it's it's more, um, it, it can take different forms, but it's accomplishing the same end result yeah. of, of purging that that negative energy. That's really interesting, Emmett. Um. All right, the last one we're going to touch on, and then we'll push off some of the rest for next week, um, is discipline. Okay. So I have been very focused on this a lot lately because I am very guilty of parenting the autism when you guys were little and not parenting you guys as kids. And what I mean by that is I, I sort of made excuses for behavior that probably should have been corrected Yeah, when you were younger. And, and I just thought like, okay, well, life is already hard enough for you guys. 
that it's, you know, oh, well, it's because you have ADHD or, oh, it's because you're autistic and it's not your fault. So we're just going to let it go. And the reality is that a large part of the things that you guys did were just dumb kid things. Because we were kids. Because you were kids. And it's hard sometimes as a parent to to kind of parse that out and, and be cognizant of that in the moment. Because we're so caught up in the behaviors, we're so caught up in the diagnoses and trying to help and therapies and this and that and whatever, that we sometimes forget that you're still just kids. Yeah, and I know one of the big things with me was impulsivity. And mm. I don't... Was? It's not as bad now. Uh, okay. Hey. Okay. Why are you acting like that? It's not <laughs> as bad now. It isn't as bad now. You're yeah, right. no, I don't... When's the last time we've talked about impulsive? Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Yeah, when? What time is it? <laughs> no, seriously. No, it's not as bad as it was. Yeah. I mean, it's still it's and, still problematic, but in different ways. Yeah, but a lot of it was because I was a kid, and I was just impulsive. I yeah. mean, in the sense, you just lumped everything in with ADHD. And, and the point is, is that some of those behaviors, whether it's ADHD-related or autism-related or not, are still problematic behaviors. Yeah. And you need to be held accountable for problem behaviors. If it's outside of your control, that's another thing, right? Yeah. Like I wouldn't punish you for not being able to speak or not being able to see or hear. Yeah. But I could, I can hold you accountable for hitting your brother. Yeah. Or saying something that hurts someone's feelings. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the real world holds people accountable. Yeah. And you have to be able to exist and navigate that world without me in it at some point. Yeah. And the best way that I can help you prepare for that would be to hold you accountable, mm -hmm. to teach you that discipline. And by discipline, I don't mean like hitting or anything like that. No. We never did that. No. But consequences. Yeah. For bad decisions. What do you think is a good form of discipline? I think natural consequences is probably the ideal one, but that's not always possible. Well, yeah, that's not always possible. So, But I think consequences that are developmentally appropriate, uh, well, because not every, let me just say this, not everyone really. <laughs> I know where you're going with this. What? <laughs> I, I can see the gears turning. Go ahead. No, I was going to say not everyone reacts the same way. Yes. Like no. uh, you used to take your our phones away, but yeah, it, it's like for me, at least it stopped because I didn't care that yeah. if I had my phone or not. It's about finding currency. Yeah. Right. You need to find in order for a consequence to kind of hurt, metaphorically speaking, it needs to be there needs to be a currency that you identify. Yeah. Right. And it's different for every kid. And it's tough for you guys because you really didn't have any currency. <laughs> and and uh, and, you know, and part of it, too, honestly, was just I was I'm a single parent. I am tired. I, I can't pick every battle. And you didn't want to deal with the backlash. And I didn't want to deal with the backlash. It was survival. But but it doesn't mean that I was making the right decisions because yeah. I wasn't. And I realize that now as you guys have gotten older and we're having to kind of play catch up in some of those areas, it's a lot harder. Well, it's not as bad for me. Oh, of but... course not. You would never do. You were, I mean, like if I were to look up, you know, <laughs> model child in, in, in the dictionary, it would have Emmett's picture right there. You know, it so would. It would. Considering everything, it would. Considering everything. I mean... Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but nobody's perfect, right? I mean, yeah. we're joking around, but like nobody's perfect. And it, it's just a matter of 
making sure that your kids understand that there are consequences for their actions, whether they're autistic or not. I mean, it, it, you know, having autism or being uh, diagnosed with ADHD or having some other disability is not an excuse to be an asshole to people. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, and that, those are the kinds of things that like you guys were never like that, but that's the, yeah. the easiest way I can think to explain that to people is it's, it's just not an excuse and, and you have to be able to navigate the world, but it can be difficult to discern sometimes what is within someone's control and what is it. Yeah. And that you just have to kind of feel out. And sometimes maybe there's consequences for things that ultimately weren't within their control. Yeah. And it's just going to be kind of one of those things, right? I mean, you, you can't hit the mark all the time, but I think ultimately it's more important that we impress upon our kids that they are responsible for their actions. Yeah. And that sort of like a temper tantrum versus a meltdown. Yeah. There may if be, if you treat every temper tantrum as a meltdown, uh, then the times when they are, that they are trying to just get out of things through doing that, they're going to still do it. Yeah. Uh, but if you also make it so that every time they have something like that, you punish them, then it's going to make them feel worse for when they have the meltdown. It's a difficult yeah, situation. Yeah, it's a to, difficult to... thing to navigate because but, it's different for everyone. Yeah, and it, the idea is just to not allow a diagnosis to dictate, you know, whether or not your child is held accountable for problematic behaviors. I guess. Yeah. And so it is different for everybody. And it was a question you guys asked. It's something that I've, I've been dealing with a lot and especially as my kids have gotten older and they're in their teens and, and even their adulthood. Um, I recognize that I should have been holding them accountable. Y'all know how long I've been trying to tell you that. Yeah, I know you have. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. But it's never about you though. You No, I bring up myself. Okay. Well, I mean, you do, well, when you were younger, you were very, it was, you were very motivated to like, uh, you were very much about following the rules unless it applied to you. <laughs> Not when it applied to me. Yeah. It was, it was, these are the rules and they're not following them. So they need to be, they need to be, you know, punished, but you would do the exact same thing. And it was like, it was okay. So it was, a, it was a, it was kind of a weird relationship with the rules that you had back then. But the idea is, ultimately and that's kind of funny now that i think about it but like that's the biggest i told you so i will ever have well but and that's fine but like the reality is we're just the point is that you, kids are going to be kids whether they're autistic yeah. or not and sometimes the behavior is outside of their control and sometimes it's just stupid kid stuff yeah and it's hard to sometimes tell the difference but if we hold our kids accountable uh, when when there are behaviors that are deemed uh, unsafe or inappropriate or hurtful to others yeah. that society is never going to accept, then that's that's helping them to, to learn to navigate things. And we're not talking like corporal punishment or anything like that. No. But just even if you sit down and have a conversation about it in a developmentally appropriate way or you know maybe they lose a privilege or something, whatever works, it just it's just about holding them accountable and making sure that they connect you know, uh, decisions with ramifications. Yeah. Basically. So anyhow, that's, uh, that'll be that I think for today. Yeah. How do you feel? Uh, pretty good. Do you want to, uh, add anything else? Uh, about what? I don't know. Do you have a dad joke? Huh? Do you have a dad joke? Sure. I got one. 
Okay. Uh, is it appropriate? Yes, okay. it's appropriate. He should see his eyes light up. <laughs> he loves these. Go ahead. Okay. So, uh, what the farmer say when he lost his tractor? I lost my tractor. It's where's my tractor? <laughs> where's my tractor? Oh my god, you're such a dork. <laughs> All right. Well, we really appreciate you guys taking the time to uh, to listen to us ramble. Yeah. Um, yeah. All <laughs> right. Well, we'll uh, keep your questions coming in. You guys can submit them uh, at listen.theautismdead.com. You can just send a, a, a message or an email that way or jump on social media and, uh, you know, whatever. But thank you all so much for taking the time to listen. We really appreciate it. And... Uh, we will talk to you soon. Yeah. All right. Take care, guys. Take care. Bye. Before I let you go, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to tune in today. It means a lot to me. I really appreciate it. And, you know, I put a lot of time and energy into each one of these episodes because I want there to be a resource for you that wasn't available for me when I was going through this with my kids. And, you know, I, I want there to be a positive impact on your lives. I want you to be able to learn something and enjoy what you're hearing. So uh, thank you again. I really appreciate it. For more information, you can visit theautismdad.com. You can subscribe on any one of your favorite podcast listening apps. And uh, I will talk to you next week. Thank you. Bye.